0: you to go to town today, right? You need to pass all your tests.
1: Failed. The gun is in my hand.
0: Remember, the guy's blind, but he's still dangerous. Find the girl. to mm-hmm. everybody and welcome to the next episode of Fresh Cuts. I'm Mike. Joining me as always it's Mr. Venom. How you doing, Venom?
2: Greetings and salutations visually impaired. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing pretty good. Mike, how you doing?
0: Doing well. Uh, Not much new to report from my neck of the woods, really. Just Kids started school, like actually physically in school, so the house is a lot more quiet during the day, but other than that, same old routine. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> All right, and also joining us, it's Don and Nelly. How is, is it going, John? Don, <laughs> John, and Don. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, fortunately, I can only speak for Don, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you know great to be here as always. <laughs> Cool. I thought you
2: were going to keep up your trend of saying hello in the movie's language. I figured you'd say hello in Braille or something.
1: I tried that, but I think that was John, not Tom. Oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's his doing that. Hey. Uh,
0: all right, well, we are talking uh, Don't Breathe 2, uh, theatrical release sequel, obviously, to Don't Breathe And... Let's see... Synopsis. The sequel is set in the years following the initial deadly home invasion where Norman Nordstrom, played by Stephen Lang, lives in quiet solace until his past sins catch up to him. Which is a funny way to put it, Uh, since the viewers know about the past sins the entire time. But anyways...
1: What the fuck kind of synopsis is that? That has nothing to do with what I watched.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, let's find out what we did watch with general thoughts. Venom, you're up first. What did you think of Don't Breathe 2?
2: All right. Um, After listening to a few reviews, well, actually multiple reviews, I actually watched more reviews for this movie uh, than I have for a movie in a very long time as far as post watch uh, because apparently, I'm in the minority, and you know what? I'm going to un- unapologetically say I fucking love this movie. Uh, this this was a fucking treat for me, beginning to end. Is this movie as good as the first? No. I, I think we can safely say it is not. Uh, is the story basically kind of shit? Uh, yeah. You know what? The story's not great. Uh, they, they do, at times, spend a lot of uh, movie duration with this new character uh, what's her name? Phoenix which, by the way, I fucking hate that name um who's, uh, basically this little girl, this is the girl that we see in the trailer with Norman, oh, by the way, they gave him a name, I liked it better in the first movie when he was just the blind guy but in this film, we actually get a name, Norman Nordstrom hmm, whatever doesn't seem like the name of a, a crazy killing machine but okay, um so, for whatever it's worth, people have to realize something about me. And uh, This movie tracks for me as far as the kind of movies I like. Let's think back a little bit. My favorite movie of 2011 was you Next. My favorite movie of 2020, as you two gentlemen probably remember, was VFW. I like revenge movies. I like movies where people are wronged and then they come back with brutal vengeance. Now, I know a lot of people are also complaining about this film um, about not having a true protagonist or someone to truly follow. And you know what? I don't have a problem with that for this movie. This movie is villainous people doing villainous things to other villainous people. And you know what? It was fucking glorious because it was guilt-free horror. I didn't have to... It's not like a slasher movie where they put in a bunch of vapid, beautiful white people just to be fodder for the killer. In this movie, just about every single person in this movie is a piece of shit. So when they're uh, dispatched, you have no connection with these characters. It's like, "Eh, whatever, fuck them. I love it. You know? Oh, he got his face smashed in. Cool. Oh, look at that. That bitch got her arm ripped off. Rock on. You know? So for me, it was just absolutely glorious. I'm not looking at this as um you know high art by any stretch of the imagination i know we're only what two weeks up, um separated from uh like the green knight and stuff like that and i know everybody always looks to a24 and of course yes i famously love a24 but you know what this movie is an absolute turn your brain off and just watch bad people do bad shit to each other for an hour and 40 minutes and for whatever it's worth it absolutely worked for me This is not my favorite movie of the year by any stretch. But folks, I may be the only person in the horror community who may end up with this in their top ten at the end of the year, and I will do it with a giant smile on my face because this movie spoke to me in multiple ways. It's not going to work for everybody. If you genuinely loved the first one, you're probably not going to be a big fan of this one. Because for the first, I'd say, full act into the second act, it's pretty much been there, been there, done that. You know, it's, it's another group of people breaking into, you know, Norman's house. We have a kind of, sort of reason why we think they're doing this because of a news report that airs uh, on a television earlier in the film. But... That excuse actually goes out the window once we get a little bit of a twist, to go figure, a little twist in, in a Don't Breathe movie, but for whatever it's worth, I know the twist is something that a lot of people are complaining about. They're saying that it changed the tone of the film, which uh, you're right. It went from a home invasion movie to fucking balls-to-walls action film, and I understand how that's not going to work for a lot of people, but for whatever it's worth, it absolutely worked for me. Nothing in this movie is really... Um, stellar or masterful in any way. The cinematography is okay. The score is okay. The acting is maybe a little subpar, because some of the villains are not great actors in this film. Stephen Lang is obviously awesome. We get to hear him talk a lot more in this one than we did in the first film. Um, Whether that works for you or not not is up to the individual. For me, I like Stephen Lang, so I'm okay with him being a larger character. And like I said, uh, the fact that people are complaining about The whole not having anyone to get behind, or that, is this guy really a hero? Look, he's not a hero in any way, shape, or form. We all have memories, we all remember what he did in the first movie, and no one is going to forgive him for that, least of all me. But you know what? Uh, Watching one piece of shit beat the hell out of another piece of shit with a hammer, I'm sorry, but that's a fun Saturday night to me, so... Like I said, for whatever it's worth, Don't Breathe 2 was an absolute joy for me, and I will definitely see it again many, many times.
0: Wow. All right. (laughs) Let's see where you stand, Don. What did you think of Don't Breathe 2?
1: Well, uh, I'm not going to come in as... I as Venom is, but uh, I, I will agree with him on one thing. Uh, the film absolutely works with him just beating the crap out of anyone he comes across. Um, both of the sequences where that occurs, I am absolutely in heaven with this thing. Um, I love the way it deals out the brutality, It even up scanty, if I remember from the first one, because that was PG 13, right?
2: The original uh, was PG
1: I'm not I, sure. I don't Because I don't remember. Much in the way of, I remember it being brutal, but I don't remember it being gory—at least nowhere near like this one. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember there being that much of language. Yeah, you're right. He so actually didn't I, like the
2: language, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I'm saying is that I, I, yeah, this one is an R, and it earns it. So, yeah, um, I will agree with him on that. That this is that those sections of the film are what you want to watch, and they deliver on that in *Space*. I say the problem for me is everything else Um, like Venom said not having a you know not having a character to root for I'm actually that actually didn't even occur to me I didn't even notice that my thing was the whole stupid reasoning for the invasion in the first place it makes no sense there's tons of asinine and reasoning for why everybody's doing what they're doing and the twist actually makes everything worse and far more stupid than what it actually had been to begin with I would have actually preferred if it had been the original intention rather than the twist because the twist that to me actually makes the film stupid rather than stupid more than anything uh, yeah just uh, for me if you just want to watch a bunch of people beating the crap out of each other it's interesting it's enjoyable and has a, a lot to like about it if you want to apply any kind of brain power to a film stay away from this one that's basically all I'm going to say that's valid <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, so the kills were pretty good, some of them. Stephen Lang's never bad, although me personally, he talked too much. Um, I li I preferred the carrot, like Venom you kind of brought up. I preferred him saying less. Um, I agree with Dawn. I, I guess what, uh, uh, where I struggle with this movie is like. Ah, fuck. Um, First of all, like, they're trying to sell us on the fact that I guess him, you know, in in essence, kidnapping this girl was a honorable thing to do in the first place. Now, she showed... Well, actually, I should probably stop. <laughs> I don't want to, like, give a play-by-play because that's too spoilery. Um, yeah. Let's just say they're trying to... I guess the beginning tries to paint the situation... That we start off with as like an honorable thing, uh, which we'll get into that. <laughs> and then the twit... i i feel like this movie gets stupider as it goes along, and that's that's a problem. <laughs> like, I—I I don't know if we were supposed to like be laughing at like each new thing that gets revealed in the story, and then <laughs> this is like what's going on. I feel like this wanted to be like more it almost felt like an exploitation story, but not quite. Like, they wanted to introduce these characters that had no good qualities, that just were kind of fodder, but then they tried to make it somewhat touching, and I'm like, no, no, no. Um, At at one point in the movie, I was like, I'd pretty much be okay if every single person, like, die right now, like, not even at the end of the movie, but right this (laughs) instant. The girl... I mean, I guess you would spare the little girl, but but she had the she had like one scene of like major attitude when it seemed like not the not the time, not the place to uh, confront uh, Stephen Lang with the, this question right now. Like, get out of harm's way first, then you can be mad and demand answers. But for the moment, uh, uh, you're going to be dead if you keep asking for answers right now. Um, what else? Like it's. I feel like I don't want to go off too much because it's like, might as well just wait for spoilers when we actually get into point, plot points and stuff. But uh, I think I... I can't remember if I said it to you guys like after I had seen it or if I was talking to somebody else. I, I kind of feel like this movie is one of those movies that falls in the category for me. I mean, as... Maybe I won't go as far as say it's a... I won't go as far as to say the movie is bad, but to me it's definitely dumb. And I think it, it's. You you really have to um, push the boundary of, like, the turn off your brain and just enjoy. Because I, to- I, I totally get that, you know, um, that, like, opinion on not just this movie, but, you know, there's plenty of movies that are like that. And I don't consider all of them bad or dumb or anything. I just felt like. The- Like it's like every character that gets introduced in this is just like worse and worse Uh and almost to a comedic – like when we – I want to say what probably second act and the second act we get introduced to a character and you think it's like somewhat of like, okay there's like a silver lining or something to be happy about. And then ten minutes later, you find out the real motivation. You are like, "What the fuck?" And I, uh, I almost felt awkward at, at laughing about. <laughs> I was like literally laughing in the theater because it just was so absurd. But you know, I, I guess that's what this movie is trying to be. Um, but yeah, one of the. Go ahead.
2: Go ahead and finish because I I have a rebuttal for about half of what you said.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this this movie almost kind of gave me like a. A panic room vibe more than the first one did just because of some of the events that uh, unfolded you know it's not a 100% comparison just because obviously different movie different uh, different things that play out but um, I did I did think there was a creative part when um, the little girl there's a there's a part where you think she kind of gets safe by enclosing herself into something, and I thought that was pretty clever the way... Because, obviously, the criminals, they can't just literally break her out of it. So, like, well, what can we do to force her out? I thought that was pretty clever. That was a good gag and a good good little tense moment. Like, okay, who's going to blink first? Are they, you know, on on this scenario? That was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, But then again, the problem with that is... I mean, maybe they were just or maybe the guy that did it was counting on her being a girl not thinking about it because I'm like, well wait a minute. If you want her for the purpose of what we, what you say you want her for, you can't go through with what you're trying to do cuz then it ruins everything we find out later. Now maybe they're just maybe they're just that big a piece of shit that <laughs> they don't care or they're just overlooking that fact, but kind of little conflicts with that, and how things unfold, and how different criminals treat the situation, but like I said, kind of got to keep it a little as vague as I did, I guess, without uh, getting the spark section. But anyways, I don't want to go too far into things now. Yeah, this movie... I don't know. It wasn't for me. I mean maybe if I did some more drugs before it I could have just like let down my yes! sensibilities and been like, "All right, I just want to see bad people or bad things get done to bad people." Um if you're if you're looking for a movie purely for that, yeah, this it probably gets it done in that department. So, I guess I'll give it some points for that aspect. Um but yeah, not one of my favorite ones of the year so far. And Benham, back uh, to you.
2: <laughs> alright uh, to your point about the stupidity of both these criminal quote unquote villains of the film and their motivation you're 100% right I absolutely agree with you the first question I'm going to ask you Mike is have you ever personally known a meth head uh, or a crack Crackhead crack works too
0: <laughs> I mean a couple of them, so. never been in my close circle of friends but known, I, I'd say enough to have quote unquote known, yeah
2: <laughs> the great thing about this movie is how realistic they are with the stupidity of these people Every, all the villains in this movie except for one, very obvious one later on, are on meth, I mean they're cooking meth that, that is a meth lab that they have in their house that's what blew up, you know Uh, the first time, which we'll get into uh, later on, but um, these people are motivated by drugs. They're not motivated by money. They're not motivated by power. They're motivated by drugs. When do I get my next fix? The way that they justify their motivations and their problems, and I, I mean in real life, I'm not even talking about the movie right now, is very similar to what we see in the movie. It was idiotic. It was moronic, and it was stupid. And you're 100% right. But ultimately, that's probably why I felt like I didn't... Since I didn't give a shit about anybody in this movie, it just... That just added to the fun factor for me. Because after, I don't know, I'd say 20 minutes, uh, I knew that the story was a wash. I'm like, all right, this is going anywhere. Now I'm just going to be invested in the action. And ultimately, once I made that decision, I loved it the entire rest of the movie because I like I said, once I realized I didn't give a shit about anybody, everything that happened to him was just glorious and wonderful. and and considering I'm the only guy in the theater laughing, which is weird because I'm never the only guy in the theater laughing in a, in a horror movie. but for some reason I was this time and I even got a couple of weird looks, but I don't care. I, I, <laughs> um, I mean what the hell is horror for if not to enjoy watching things you can't partake in in real life, right? So, uh, yeah, Uh, like I said, your point about the stupidity of the criminals is 100% accurate. It is valid, but it actually makes me like the movie more because because of how realistic it is, because I've actually known those people. I've associated with those people. They're terrible people with terrible brains that are broken, and the way that they justify these things was, oh... Uh, you know the, the life of this woman who's probably only gonna live you know a, a couple of years more is worth way more than this other person which is, is 100% false um, it, I'm being a little cryptic there but you know once once you fo- if you've either seen the movie or once you get through the spoiler section with us you'll kind of know what we mean um, yes their justifications are stupid yes they are moronic yes the decisions they make are terrible. But guess what? It felt incredibly accurate to me. So I accept it. I accept every bit of it. Uh, I'm not even sure what to tell you. Like I said, and I know I'm in the minority here, guys. Like I said, I, I listened to so many reviews trying to find another person who actually liked this movie. Every review is negative. Every review that I went and looked at online is negative. And I'm like, God damn it, am I really that different from, you know, the norm in our horror community, but apparently, yeah, apparently people don't take as much um shameful joy in watching people get decimated as much as I do. So, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, like I said, the story as stupid as it was didn't bother me. It didn't deter my enjoyment of what I was watching. The terrible acting by some of the villains and I assure you folks, the acting is terrible absolutely terrible by some of our villains but again it it just added to the stupidity to the realistic stupidity of it all and it worked so i enjoyed it ultimately you know so uh, all i can say is you know i'm i I will never say this is a good movie i'm not going to sit here and say that this was a that this was better than the first or anything like that even (laughs) for whatever it's worth, I actually had more problems with the first one than this one, but that's a story for another podcast. Um, I... uh, I mean, and it is great. I admit that.
0: I actually... So... How can I put this without, like, saying too much? I actually think that, like, the... So, we get an initial reason why um, the, the group of what, what would I refer him to? The gang, the group of criminals. Yeah. The reason they originally want the girl before the later reveal, I actually think the first, like, when they're just kind of after her, and the only reason we know is the reason given by the main guy, which we find out, I think... I was okay with that. I, yeah. Too. Yeah.
1: yeah, I yeah. was... I, was, that was what, I, I actually preferred that. That, to me...
0: Yeah, if it
1: actually
0: if, made more sense. If it, but it, just just,
2: it, it felt like once we got the actual real reason, I agree with you. The real reason is not nearly as interesting as what they were playing up to. But for me, like I said, just to think about the sheer stupidity and selfishness of the main okay. villain and what they were willing to sacrifice just to get out of it, like the. Uh, the ends didn't justify the means in any way, shape, or form. But again, to these people, one year of drugs is worth more than, you know, 50 years of life to someone else. So, yeah. Like I said, I'm not disagreeing with you guys. It's a stupid story. It legitimately is. (laughs) And I
0: loved it. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it does get points for making me laugh <laughs> uh, hey
2: um, hey uh, unintentional comedy is always welcome,
0: <laughs> yeah, um all right, I guess yeah yeah it'll be easier to respond to anything now, well at least for me yeah. once we're spoilers because we can only go back and forth so much before the people are like well what the hell are they talking about <laughs> I mean, as
2: far as recommendations go, I'm still going to be realistic. I'm not going to recommend anyone go see this in the theater. It doesn't deserve your $12. Wait for it to hit streaming. I mean, if you're a huge fan of the first one, I guess. But, I mean, most people that I've either heard from or spoken to that were huge fans of the first one were disappointed by this one. So take that into account. And, you know, like like I said, um, if you're as big a fan of revenge movies as I am, then and not necessarily rape revenge either that's a whole another sub-sub-genre that I have you know moral issues with but again that's a discussion for another day but just straight up revenge stories like this where one person is wronged by another person or group and then they go out and get bloody vengeance yeah I'm down It's it's the guiltiest of pleasures for me and I'll take it. <laughs> Maybe it was all the bullying I took in high school. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now I'm just happy watching bad people get fucking torn into seven pieces. I don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hope my bullies are listening to me. See what you did to me? <laughs>
0: all right. Time, Time for it? spoilers? Yeah. Let's go.
2: All right. So pretty much, I mean, I don't think our... Uh, this won't be obviously a walkthrough, but I mean, I don't think it's going to be much because we've already kind of alluded to the story being fairly hollow. Um, but our movie opens up with a shot of the blind man, uh, basically dragging a young body up the street Um, very much like the first movie. Well, maybe not dragging, but walking towards. Like, in the first movie, he was dragging uh, Jane Levy. In this one, he was kind of walking towards this girl who was passed out in the road. As he approaches her, the screen fades to black, and then we are fast-forwarded what, like five years, something like that? Yeah. And we, we basically are introduced to Norman Nordstrom, who is, of course, our blind band, and he has a little girl with him who he calls his daughter. So obviously because we as the audience remember the events of the first movie we're probably thinking, oh shit, he's got another woman in that basement or, you know, he, he actually was able to follow through with his plan from the first movie that was thwarted by, you know, Levy and her buddies So, but, man, uh, we, we're basically introduced to them having this just a family, normal family life, you know, single dad with a daughter Uh, they do have one friend in town I forget her name oh Hernandez Hernandez uh, basically she was also we find out that Norman I think we may have found it out in the first movie too that he did have uh, a military background Uh, this girl Hernandez also has a military background blah 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 she ultimately is taken out of the film almost as quickly as she came in I mean she's in the movie for what all of five minutes Uh, basically one scene of her taking um I don't even know what to call this girl. Just to give you a backstory, um, the girl, uh, the daughter, is called Tara at this point. Uh, I'm sorry, no, I thought, no, no, Enid, right? Well, didn't he call her Enid? He didn't call her Phoenix.
0: I thought People it was Phoenix. Phoenix. Oh, I... yeah, I thought
2: it was. Yeah, I thought it was Phoenix. Maybe I misheard. Maybe it was Phoenix the whole time. For some reason, I heard Enid. But maybe that's just his Stephen Lang's weird blind man accent. But uh, if it was Phoenix the whole time, that's fine. It doesn't make me like the name anymore. I fucking hate the name. Anyway, um, you know, uh, we get uh, basically we get a scene that Mike was kind of alluding to where Phoenix is kind of confronted by an adult. Um, And, you know, he is basically blocking the entrance of the bathroom. She's in the girl's bathroom by herself. He's standing there with her they have a little altercation back and forth where he does the hey little girl aren't you pretty you know type thing the same villainous shit that we've seen year in and year out Uh, except this time as Mike alluded to she kind of has the attitude the opposite attitude of a scared little girl Uh, basically um, the big dog uh, Shadow which we remember from the first movie uh, basically walks into the bathroom and growls at the guy and uh, Phoenix looks at him and says if I snap my fingers he'll, he'll bite your testicles off which, yeah, Mike does make a point that for a girl that young, that's a pretty advanced line, but whatever. <laughs> um, and then, of course, they go... Um, she is able to... He, he lets her out of the bathroom. They go on their separate way, blah, blah, blah. And then we get a news report over the radio of people kidnapping children in the local area for organ uh, harvesting. Basically, uh, you know, the illegal, the black market organ trade. Um. So of course we we kind of assume as the viewer that this guy is just one of those you know, one of those guys that they're looking for who's kidnapping children, blah 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 blah. And um and that's pretty much the setup for the majority of the first part of the movie. Um like I said, once uh we meet Hernandez, literally like in the second scene we see her in, she's taken out by a bunch of these guys, uh, who also turn out to be military. It turns out that um these Organ uh, harvesters, if you will, uh, actually do all have military experience. Uh, They're they're organized. They're skilled with weapons and hand to hand combat. Blah blah blah. So, um, of course, the inevitable happens where that evening they end up at Norman's house and hilarity ensues. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Though it doesn't obviously, it doesn't play out quite the way it did in the first movie. At this point, I do want to kind of say that I disagree a little bit with Mike saying that they're trying to make him somewhat of an honorable character. I I just don't see that. Yes, he has a child, but many evil people have had children. That doesn't that that in and of itself doesn't make it. Um,
1: well, I think what he's com- where he's coming from is that at the very beginning, the honorable thing is that it looks like he's rescuing her from. Burning house, and that's why what brings them together.
2: Well, I even think later on, I think after even we get the reveal, I think that some people are gonna well, maybe misconstrue. Um, well, I, I, I can't get into it. I never
1: took that as I never took that as valid. I thought that was just bullshit spewed to get the girl on his side. I never first, oh absolutely, second believed him. Oh no, no, not in a million years. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, we we know from the movie that the time only
2: went forward like five years, so. There's, there's no... And this girl's like, what, 10, 11? Yeah, no, I
0: mean, I, well, I mean, that's that's kind of like the tough line you walk because when the viewer already has more information than the character... You yeah. know, we as viewers have more information than that little girl. So whatever, whatever he thinks he's doing that's noble, it's like we already know, okay, there's sinister reasons. And she, even being like a little girl who's spent the past whatever years with him, she even is kind of picking up that, like, something's not right with the situation. Because, you know, she's already asking, like, well, why am I not going to school? Why can't I go do this like a normal kid? So she's already picking up, like, this isn't quite uh, a normal situation that I'm going on, or that's going on here. And then couple that with the fact that, like, we know his past with his daughter, and then he was basically trying to replace his daughter. So we we know like okay, he found another potential girl to replace uh, his his other failed attempts with. So right, um, the I guess the issue is it's like well, now when we introduce characters that are I guess even worse than him then it's like, well, is that a plot device to make us be like, alright, well even though you're a piece of shit, we should probably root for you now, because no, we, we kind of hit that thing where it's like, well that's why I was like, hey, uh, there was a certain point in the movie where I was like, yeah, i would be kind of fine if the whole house just blew up with all of them in there and then...
2: Uh, Absolutely, <laughs> I 100% agree with you, but I mean I don't, I, I disagree with the fact that they were trying to make him some kind of protagonist or hero or anti-hero, whatever no, 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 no Norman Nordstrom is a piece of shit beginning to end, nothing will ever change what happened in that first movie we know this Um, I I understand your point Mike that the little girl doesn't know that and if by some freak of nature people walk into this film not having seen the first one yes, I can see potentially them being kind of skewed towards cheering uh, for the blind man but I mean anybody who's seen the first movie our memories aren't that short we're not wrestling fans here where we only have a one week memory. No, 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 no. I remember what happened in twenty seventeen, and I remember that damn movie. So I, I just—I I never at any point felt like the filmmakers were trying to get me to cheer or root him on because I didn't. Not once did I root. I can quote.
1: Unquote, there was a few. There's a few times where the act, the, the film paints his actions as heroic, trying to defend. Well, I see. I don't. I don't the, think that a few. The confrontation in the, to me, it's the confrontation in the, gla, in, the gla, in the glass house or greenery or whatever the hell you want to call that. I think that's the, the key point because he's actually trying to rescue her from the group. Right, I think that she he, belongs to him. But the, that's, no, that's the thing that we're not thinking about. It's
2: not his real daughter, so he doesn't have that kind of fatherly attachment to him. She's property she is his property that's why he's still a villain that's why I never looked at him as oh this is honorable what he's doing no
1: I, ne- I never said he was I said that's the closest the film attempt oh, okay. well, to paint yeah. him as I, I, said, that, that. I never said he was I said the film attempts to paint him as, right. as such in that scene I think that's the closest
0: well that's the thing I think the movie teeters on the line of like oh is this some type of redemption for him because finally he's doing the oh, right thing no! it's like no it's not
2: See, that's what I mean. I think people that are going into that movie, this movie, with that attitude, are gonna are gonna be disappointed every time. He's not a hero in any way, shape, or form. He's not honorable yeah. in any way, shape, or form. What what we have here is just a bad person who's done some terrible fucking things. And even though he doesn't consider himself a rapist, I'm sure most women still would, considering what he did.
0: Well, he did by um, the he did by the end. When right, he's like, exactly. oh. What is mean. <laughs> like With his butt, I've raped. Or I think that's what he said. Well, I'm, not, I'm like, you're oh, blind. God. Why are you talking like a deaf guy? <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I,
2: I, have a voice. I don't know. It, it's Stephen Lang, so ultimately, I like the delivery for whatever. Yeah,
0: resort. when he kind of confesses to her, like he's like, I'm not a good guy. I murdered. I raped. I'm like, okay. Well, I'm like, you're laying it all well, off for of her. It's just him
2: justifying or not, not justifying, but coming to terms with what he did, like I don't think he actually vaginally raped a woman but what he did with the turkey baster is still fucking rape ultimately, so no one is arguing that he raped her, I think he was the only one who ever argued, because in the first movie he said, I've never violated a woman I've never forced myself on a woman but then in this movie he actually says, I've raped i think it's him coming to terms more with what he did in the first one again not for forgiveness necessarily just showing that they if anything they're trying to humanize him a little bit you know because he was just a killing machine in the first movie you know he was like an unfeeling uncaring killing machine mm-hmm. um humanizing the character to me is not trying to make him a hero it's just trying to show that he's not a machine that he's not a damn robot um and, again, I know I'm in the minority here because I think most people are going to fall into that trap of, oh, they're trying to make him a
1: hero, and I just didn't
2: see it that way. Um, if you see yeah, it that I, way,
1: that's I fine. don't think they do, but like I said, I think it, it, tra- I, it comes close, and I think that's the intent, but I don't think it does.
2: Yeah, well, if that's their intent, they, and ultimately, the, the interviews with Fetty and Roto that I've uh, listened to, they both claim no we were not trying to make him a hero in any way shape or form i mean they call him an anti-villain they don't even call him an anti-hero they call him an anti-villain and which sounds pretty ominous to me actually that sounds like someone who's just willing to kill anybody which is exactly what we needed for this movie yeah i mean definitely don't get it twisted folks even though i enjoyed this movie and i enjoyed everything that steven lang did to those other people he, I did not. I was not rooting for him in any way, shape, or form. I still wanted to see him die just as much as I wanted to at the end of the first movie. But you know, um, like I said, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm talking down to anyone who did fall into that trap of, oh, they're trying to make him a hero, whatever. If that's what you thought, fine. Um, you're probably going to hate the movie then, ultimately. I think if you go into the movie realizing, no, these are just 100% bad people. Just because somebody does something decent, doesn't that's not them trying to be nice all of a sudden. That's just their decision. It could be manipulative. It could be some other reason. But yeah. Like, like I said, every time he was trying to save Phoenix, I didn't see it as a father trying to save a daughter. I looked at it as a guy trying to save his property because he didn't want to have to go through all the bullshit to get another one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. maybe I'm short-minded. You know, that, it happens. I can accept that. But yeah, like I said, maybe and maybe it's just me wanting to justify. You know what I enjoyed in this movie because like I said, I wasn't rooting for anybody I wasn't rooting for any particular side, I was just rooting for violence I walked into that movie and I did not choose the blind man or the meth heads I chose violence and I got it so I so I walked out of the theater happy for whatever that's worth
0: um <laughs> what were we? what was I going to say? <laughs> uh, yeah
2: I... well, we were at the break in just about
0: yeah, the break-in. I also felt like this this movie to me didn't feel as like claustrophobic as the first one. Obviously, because this one oh, had yeah. more locations as well. The I thought also. that yeah, I thought that was something that was you know the first the first one has its like um, I guess cheerleaders and detractors, but I thought the something the first one did well was just the claustrophobic feeling of you know you have a you have the blind guy as the villain. Although, in the first one, you kind of don't know... I'm trying... To, it's been so long since i seen the first one. I think you actually don't know he's kind of a piece of shit at the beginning, from what I remember. Oh, not at all. Not until he killed... Yeah, you just think he's defending his home from being broken in, but I thought I kind of did... You know, this one has... The thing that sometimes sequels do, where, like, okay, well, now that you know who he is let's just put them on screen more, and obviously more dialogue, more this or that, where I thought the first one kind of did a better job of using, like, the elements of, like, well, how would a blind man, you know, regardless of him being a Marine or whatever, how would this old blind guy be able to defend himself? And I thought the first one did a better job of, like, okay, this is how you kind of even things up, the the way his methods were. Where in this one, it was, like, the damn movie Blind Fury, where he's just like, never mind I'm blind, I'm just a fucking kicking ass all over the place. See, that, but,
2: uh, that's part of what I had issues with with the first movie because they tried to make him seem like a, a super killer, but his abilities, like, would, were inconsistent. Like, in one scene he would walk right by one of the kids who broke in his house, and I mean to the point where he's, like, within an inch of their person, yet he couldn't smell him. And you know, we've always been told that when people lose one sense, their other senses are heightened. So we would assume that a blind man can both hear and smell really, really well. So like I said, the fact that he could walk by somebody and not smell them, and then literally no more than 10 or 15 minutes later, he walks through his kitchen and he does that smell thing where he smells, and he finds the boots. And that's when he figures out that there was more than one person in his house, because he finds more than one set of boots and it's like well wait a minute you could smell a pair of boots from across a fucking kitchen but you couldn't smell a perp from one inch away from your face that's just one of many inconsistencies in the first movie and like i anybody who's listened to me for any amount of time knows that i tend to interject logic into stupidest places and yeah i was doing it with don't breathe because it's like i wanted Stephen lang to be this unstoppable killing machine But he just kept being inconsistent, both with his hearing and his sense of smell. Don't forget, in the first movie, they literally got all the way to his goddamn bedroom before he even woke up. That doesn't make sense for a, a blind man. You'd think his hearing, you'd think he would sleep a little bit lighter and that his hearing would be heightened. So, again, like I said since we didn't have to deal with any of that crap in this movie we didn't really have to deal with too many scenes of him you know using his smell there was one scene um in the basement with a like a a flooded out basement where he was using like the footsteps in the water to help him out that kind of made a little sense um this guy's seen war obviously so it probably makes sense that he recognizes footsteps on a you know a wet terrain Um, but we didn't get that much of that in this one. So my suspension of disbelief didn't have to be, you know, poked at as much in this movie as it did in the first one. I still will fully say the first movie is better, 100%, in almost every aspect. But I have more problems with the first one because they try to do these subtle little things with him being blind that aren't always consistent. So, you know, it's a minor gripe, ultimately, you know, a... I still say the original is one of the best movies of that year. Um, And this one, for me, also is. I know it won't be for anyone else, but, yeah, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) All right, break-in time.
0: Yeah, so I get... Well, you know, we kind of have our stereotypical-looking meth-head criminals. That's fine. I mean, they all have the kind of like their distinct look, like a who's who of... Meth addicts, or uh, not all of them necessarily look like meth addicts, but you know, people that could be in the business of (laughs) meth. Um, I I guess, I guess the main takeaway I mean, we don't need to profile them all, but the main takeaway is what we end up finding out that one of them is that girl's actual dad. And I was, uh, see, at this point in the movie, I'm like, okay, fine, it makes sense. The dad, you know, he got involved in the meth trade, maybe, and obviously either went to jail or was on the run. Um, I can't remember if they stated if he went away to jail now he's out and that's why he's after his daughter. So at this point in the movie, you know, you just think, okay, it's the dad who, because of his past, he probably can't legally get his daughter back going through the courts because they'd say, fuck you, you're a you know, drug dealer. Yeah. Um, so that's what he's going for. Then Now this, of course, creates the conflict because the girl... Um, is finding out all this and, oh, you, you know, what's my real name? You know... Okay, it, but... Oh, well, well, hold
1: on, I, I was just... I was thinking of something. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you just said right now about him going through the court system, couldn't he still have a case saying that the guy kidnapped her? He'd have
0: to he, No, well, well, if... So, I guess we're getting into like a legal area where like yeah. we, we would have to have more information, too. So, what I... Well, I'm, I'm like, saying, I mean, with the
1: saying, if, he, if he's got... Her, if he's had her the entire time, he can just legally. Can he? I mean, he would have a valid legal argument saying that you know, you know, how did he get into possession?
0: Yeah, in the first place. With uh, so, without speculating on like more of their background or more of his background, mm-hmm. I'm assuming what would happen is because of his drug dealer past or what we know of it. Yes, he could go to like the authorities and to the courts and say. Hey, this dude just picked her off off the street. He has no rights to do what he's doing and the courts would agree or could agree. But that doesn't mean she's going to go back to the dad. They could be like, okay, you're right. This guy has no right, but she's going to foster. Like we're not giving her back to yeah. you because you're a fucking drug dealing meth head and it's not safe. So maybe he thought like, well, if I try to go the actual legal route, she's going to a foster home or she's going to get adopted out to like an actual family, you know? So that's why I assume he, he had to go this route. Like I said, you know, it, it'd be different if like 15 years went by and he's been clean and on the right path for 10 years. Then he could probably go to the court and be like, hey, I've cleaned up my life and I never gave up my parental rights. Yes, then he could go to the courts. But given the situation, and he, he's clearly still... In the meth business, you know, with everything we find out, so I don't know the court should be like, yeah, go ahead and yeah. It's just your a weird thing that.
1: you said that because that was some thing that I never really. It was like, you know, why, why you couldn't just go in and say, well, you know, how did he come into possession of her in the first place? You know, he had to have stolen her from my house or something. I'm mm-hmm. saying it was just weird that you brought that up because I never thought about it like that. Well, I mean, it, the, the
2: fire was caused by a meth lab explosion too. I don't know that the cops are going to look real favorably on that, or maybe not the cops, but child protective services. You know, yeah, so.
0: like if it was just a okay, fa- well, like if it was just a house fire, well, the thing, then that'd be different. The
1: other thing too that if, now that you, I mean, if you're going to bring that up, why didn't nobody investigate where she was all along to begin with?
0: That's I mean, that's better, that's a better question. actually. Well, yeah, I was going to lead to that too. Like she, did, like uh, obviously the mom and the dad survived, so the only other thing I can, I I, I speculate on this too, and I'm like, well, me, like. Did, were they so fucked out of their mind when the meth lab exploded that they didn't realize the little girl escaped? So people assume she burned up in the house? Because otherwise, yeah, wouldn't there be an investigation to be like, where's this girl? And the fact that she walked away from it and got picked up by yeah. uh, Lang, that means she didn't. It wasn't very far from where he lived, so you would think well, the if there was any hope. Yeah. 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 I'm,
1: saying, I'm saying, I mean, spoiler for later. You know, the dog is actually able to take them there without much difficulty. So yeah, it doesn't seem like they're far away from each other. But I'm saying five years, they don't recognize where she's where she is. Oh, they probably do. That's the other thing too. Is the the, the dad
2: probably knew long before this that the, his daughter was there. But he probably he realized that the blind man wasn't letting her go to school. He wasn't letting her leave the house. So ultimately, he knew his daughter was safe until the day that he could pull off a plan of some kind to get her back. Um, Because I'm thinking that Mike is right. I'm thinking that the parents probably reported their daughter dead after the fire. Like, once they didn't find a body, and depending on how badly burned the fire is, and how good the fire department investigative team in that town is as well, they could have easily just reported her dead, and that's why no one went looking for her. But then once the dad finds her in his meth sales travels, somehow finds her, he probably figures, well, she doesn't go to school, and he's not letting her out of the house, so she's probably going to be safe for the time being. It doesn't look like like he has any plans of taking her anywhere, they're not moving, he's not packing, Um, and she looks happy, ultimately, I mean, she's able to go on her little rounds with her buddy Hernandez every now and then, like once a month, I think he said. So I, I don't know. I, I, uh, that, I think he probably seemed, needed some time.
1: Mm-hmm. That seems like a character stretch, based on everything you have said about him before. I I don't buy that kind of logic from him for a second. Yeah. I think I think he stumbled upon her by pure accident. Oh, exactly. Oh no, I said no, that. I'm saying like this is the first that the encounter in the bathroom was a pure accident. He was oh. just a, he was scoping for children to c- to carry out his plan, and then found her.
2: I can't imagine that's true because he would have reacted once he saw the streak in her hair. He already knew about... Because he even asked her, oh, where'd you get that pretty streak in your hair that looks nice? And she said, I got it from my mom. Blah, blah, blah. I, yeah, see, that, that, that back and forth does not indicate to me that he just found his daughter. That indicates more that he's kind of known where she's been the whole time.
0: And,
1: like and- I said... But then, where does the child, where does the organ ring fall in? Because how does that carry about if he's just found her right now?
2: Well, that's just what he does for a living. The the organ but ring is probably what they just do.
0: Mm,
1: like I said, not, I,
2: I don't think the, the organ harvesting has anything to do with him, them breaking into that house. He broke into that house because his daughter was there. He knew his daughter was oh, there.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, I, right. I completely agree. But so like the organ ring and the Meth Lab ring, they I don't know, they just don't go together.
2: Well, these are military guys; they've got the skills to do it.
1: No, I I'm mean, just saying, like, how one leads into the other. If there, if the entire thing is for, her, it, you know, the entire reason for the for the invasion is to kidnap her so she can give her heart to her mother to carry on operating the Meth Lab business. Why go through all the trouble of creating this organ harvesting ring in the first place if he knows where his daughter is all...
2: No, no, no. no. I'm oh. saying the Orvis harvesting ring has always been there. That's their job. They sell meth. They steal organs. It's not that hard to cut somebody's liver out, I assure you. <laughs> uh, it, I, I'm saying they've always been... in the, That's why we got the news report at the beginning of the movie. These are the guys that are harvesting organs. They absolutely are. They're way too organized to just be meth heads way too organized to just be meth heads. I'm saying that through his travels of selling meth throughout the town, that dumbass Stephen Lang never left after getting this daughter. That That's one thing that bothers me. Um, but what I'm saying is, that, yeah, during his meth travels, he br- he bumped into her when she was on one of her rounds with Hernandez. You know what I mean? And then the plan went into effect. That, that's just the way I take it. Like I said, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that from the first conversation that they have in the bathroom, I'm not getting any kind of inclination that he's just figuring out right then and there that that's his daughter. I, I, I assume there would have been some kind of reaction like he would have, you know, frowned his, uh, his brows a little bit like, wait a minute, what? You, where did you get that streak? You know, even when he asked her, he asked her like he already knew the answer, which, of course, he did. So, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm just justifying the way I saw it. I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong.
1: No, I'm, I'm just saying that <laughs> that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, you, oh, this movie doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that that makes a little bit of sense, knowing beforehand, but, Perfect. yeah, yeah, logic is uh, one of this film's mortal enemies. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, we gotta throw logic out the window with this one.
2: Uh, we're, we're using meth head logic, which is a, a very broken form of logic. <laughs> So, where are we, Mike? Oh, wait, we gotta talk about the kills in the first scene because there's one in particular that I gotta rave about. And ultimately, the one I'm gonna rave about isn't even a goddamn kill uh, the super glue. Oh,
1: I love I that. I love that! That awesome. I thought <laughs> that was creative. Oh, man, Stephen
2: Lang, uh, the blind man, uh, somehow is able to get. Uh, oh, actually, what it is is he has a. a, a um, He has an interaction with one of the bad guys Um, The bad guy stabs him in the arm So he has an open wound on his arm He goes into his uh, Excuse me, he goes into his garage To get a bottle of super glue Which he then uses to close up the wound Very much like professional wrestlers uh, Used to do in the day And maybe still do for all I know Um, So while he's doing that One of the other perps uh, figured out that he was in the uh, garage based on the blood trail that he was leaving uh, somehow he's able to get the upper hand on the perp and he basically just squirts super glue over his mouth and nose and so the guy can't breathe and the look on the guy's face when his buddy finds him and he's literally just clawing at the super glue on his face oh my god I loved it I know guilty pleasure but whatever
1: <laughs> no, it's, you're fine I'm right there with you at that. Yeah, it's too bad it couldn't actually the do mouth. the job.
2: It, it would have been great if he actually would have suffocated. Unfortunately, uh, he is able to kind of use a, a, a razor and slice a, a hole in the mouth part, but he ends up slicing part of his own lip too. So his mouth is bleeding for like forever, which is nice. Oh, but yeah, that I love that. Even though that wasn't a kill, I I, I had to talk about that. That was that was something I haven't seen. At least it, in my, you know, short memory, I can't think of a film that did a kill like that. That was awesome. We've seen the plastic bag plenty of times, the old Black Christmas. But man, super glue, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. hmm. What else did he do during that? I mean, he I think he only kills like one or two people in that first interaction, right? The guy that he burns alive in the basement. Oh, the trap, Mike. You said you wanted to talk about that. Not the trap, but the...
1: Uh, Oh, uh, and uh, she's in the uh, safe house. The yeah, the safe
0: little house. safe. The
1: safe,
0: yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty... Well, here's the thing about it. It was... I did think it was... Cl- well, it was clever on her part. Obviously, they had that, you know... They had that set up in case she had to, like, hide or something. And um, I thought, you know, the way that one guy gets frustrated, he's like, okay, what am I going to do? And filling up w- with water... Now, the water makes a little sense, the water by itself, because it's like, okay, he can pretty much fill it up to where she's scared enough to, like, open it, but then once he adds, like, the, what was it, a battery cable or something?
2: Uh, A light cable, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't, like, later on when it gets in the movie, I'm like, but you couldn't have followed through with it, but once, you know, he's not attending to it or whatever, she... I guess in theory she came pretty close to being electrocuted and then what would be the reaction of the dad? <laughs> He's like... Well, that's the thing, she? yeah. At this point in the movie, we don't know the the real reason that they're
2: kidnapping this girl. So I, I think... I don't know about you guys, but as I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking, well, if this if this plan just goes to shit, I think they'd have no problem just killing the girl. Just being like, all right, you're just too much trouble. Let's get out of here. Obviously, once we find out the real reason... You know, it, it it pretty much kills all the tension on a rewatch for that scene. You know, but but on first watch, yeah, I I, I was kind of riveted. I mean, I, I obviously I didn't think they were going to kill the main girl, the only likable person in the whole movie, that early. But still, it, it was still a fairly tense moment.
0: Well, yeah, I well yeah, I wasn't thinking she had any chance of actually dying. It was more. Mm-hmm. the fact that he was kind of risking damaging the merchandise. Now, I agree. At the moment, we didn't know. I mean, obviously, they want her for some reason, so you, you well, assume they don't want to kill her, but then once you find later on why they want her, it's like, well, that would have been a major fucking dilemma if she accidentally got killed right there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you can also look at it more as, they're, you know, the idea is just a scare tactic to draw her out. Because he he actually interrupts them and actually starts a brawling with the guy while the thing is still yeah. there. So that so it, it actually could have screwed up their plans. You know, it could have just as easily just been a scare tactic. I, I think that was the original idea. I don't think he had any any intention of keeping it in there. I think it was just a scare tactic to get her to open it.
0: Now technically, she actually did come close to dying because she still almost drowned, but yeah. he resuscitated oh, yeah, this, her. Uh,
1: well, I, I, I'm just saying that you know his uh, his inst him instigating the brawl with the guy actually screwed both of them because mm-hmm. that that prevented him from turning the water off and then left the cable there. So I think he uh, he him trying to save her just inadvertently put her in more danger. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd almost say once she goes in that box, if you're the criminal guys, it's like, okay, fine, fucking stay there and then we'll all go hunt this guy down and then... We'll take the fucking box with us if we need to after. Um, Or
1: just, you know, block the entrance and just say, stay there.
0: Yeah, something like that. Um, Because, I mean, that's the kind of pro and con with her hiding in that contraption. Because it's like, it's it's smart if they're like, you know, the standard kidnappers. But um, if the fact the reason they were after her and the length they would go to it it's like okay just stay in there and we'll take the whole damn thing like your your, your typical petty criminal is not going to be like well we'll just haul this whole thing out because it's too much effort but for them they sure as hell would have
2: yeah definitely yeah <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, okay, and then at this point, we get the saddest moment in the movie. Um, Shadow, the dog who survived the first movie, unfortunately does get shot just before uh, the home invasion scene. Um, which, obviously, again, we're talking about the dog of a very villainous person, but it's still a dog. Yeah. To his master, so. You know, of course, we're still going to feel bad for him. And Shadow went out like a champ too. So I was
0: Ultimately. really hoping. I was really hoping they were just trying to like, you know, give him a dog treat with like a sedative in it. And then when he found his dog, he would just be like sleeping or something. I was like, oh come on, throw me a bone here. You know, I'm not. I'm already yeah. not. Ha- I'm already not happy. But if the dog just is sleeping, I'll I'll uh, I'll improve my score a little. <laughs>
2: There you go. Uh, but during the home invasion, uh, the perps, uh, the villainous guys, actually brought a dog of their own with them. Um, not the same breed, but another, you know, badass like pit fighting type dog. Um, and they send him in to go after the blind man. But ultimately, they are able to get the girl. They're they're able to you know um, get the girl out of the house without having to kill the blind man. So what they decide is, once they get the girl out, they set the whole damn house on fire. Um, So yeah, basically the blind man's house is set on fire with Molotov cocktails, and at this point the dog is now trapped, because Stephen Lang was able to corner the dog and trap him in a way that was humane, so the dog wouldn't get hurt, but that the dog couldn't get away and continue attacking Stephen Lang. Unfortunately... Once the flames and the smoke started becoming visible, you could see both the blind man and the dog kind of change their tune of, oh shit, you know, forget about this attack. We need to get out of here. And eventually they do get out of the house. Uh, Unfortunately, the villains are gone with Phoenix. Phoenix has been taken at this point. And she, um, excuse me, and the dog and the blind man are basically outside, just kind of catching their breath. Um, looking Well, <laughs> the blind man isn't looking, but the dog is looking at the house on fire. And at that point, the blind man basically starts yelling at the dog to leave him alone. Because for some reason, the dog starts kind of chumming up with him. Um, all his owners left him... Um, you know, they, they really didn't care about the dog. They just wanted the girl. Once they had the girl, they took off, set the house on fire, blah, blah, blah. I guess the dog, for whatever reason, put two and two together and realized that the other people didn't give a shit about him. So he starts getting chummy with Stephen Lang. Stephen Lang starts telling him, just go home. Just leave me alone. Go home. But then on one of the times that he says go home, go that he tells the dog to go home, a light bulb kind of goes off, and he's like, oh, wait a minute, baby you know where you live, don't you? Which means you know where those other guys live. So then Stephen Lang does the Rambo routine, you know, um, gets all his stuff together and then he puts a leash on the dog and then he starts repeating again. Okay, go home. And then we get to the second big action set piece of this movie, um, which is at the villains place. It looks like they have like a high school gym, I guess like a auditorium type place. Um, maybe a hospital, but there's a pool there, so it might be like a high school gym type thing. Uh, Closed down, obviously abandoned, covered in graffiti, blah, blah, blah. They've taken it over. It is now their meth lab. And um, before Stephen Lang actually gets there, this is where we find out um, the true intentions of the perpetrators. As Don already mentioned, uh, they are not actually, or at, at least in this particular crime, they're not necessarily looking to harvest organs for the black market what it is is um phoenix's mother is the main meth cooker at this uh lap, this big building full of drugs that they have um she apparently is the only one who knows how to cook meth i don't know how hard it is to cook meth i've never tried but i can't imagine you can't just show somebody with half a brain
1: but whatever um so especially she, considering how organized these guys are to begin with
2: exactly yeah it doesn't seem like to make sense but whatever um so anyway uh, at that point we find out that uh, her name is josephine and she's actually phoenix's mother um and because of the fire because of the, all the materials that make meth burning in the fire the fumes basically tore up her insides basically her heart is really really weak her lungs are weak but basically um they're concentrating on the heart uh basically her heart is you know turning to shit and it's going to stop and they need a replacement heart. Obviously they are criminals. So it's not like they're going to be able to just get on a heart donor list, um, you know, through normal legal methods. So they figure who's our closest, you know, blood relative. Hey, we had a daughter that survived, didn't we? And there it is. That's when we find out that, um, the people who were coming to get, uh, Phoenix were just as bad, if not worse, than Stephen Lang. Obviously, we thought they were you know, human organ harvesters at first, so that's pretty bad, but the fact that they're willing to sacrifice their only daughter's life, just so that this woman can cook meth for another couple of years, because this woman looks like she's on death's door. Even if she gets a new heart, I don't see her lasting more than a couple of years after that anyway. That's why I was making that point earlier about how stupid meth heads decision making is they're willing to sacrifice a little girl who has her entire life ahead of her just to give their meth uh, chef if you will uh, a couple of extra years of life that's some fucked up justification right there so I can see why a lot of people get turned off to that instantly But like I said, if you've ever known those kind of people, their reasoning isn't correct. You know, their brains don't work the way normal people's brains work. And they will justify things any way they see fit to be able to do their nefarious activities. So, yeah, Um, it does leave a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth to see these people who, you know, were willing to sacrifice all the, you know, the dad was willing to sacrifice all his comrades and his dog just to, or his friend's dog to get this girl just to get her heart. So he didn't actually love her. He doesn't give a shit about her. He just cares about his wife and keeping his wife alive to cook meth.
0: Not to mention, he's trusting yeah. in the process or he's trusting the process of this makeshift rinky-dink back alley heart transplant like, <laughs> thing to work. It's like what if you go through all this and like it doesn't work because you're not in an actual medical facility. Like, for a heart trance, like, in a movie like Get Out, you know, at least, because you could call the Get Out, like, an absurd scenario, in a way, too, what they're doing. But at least it's, you know, a very resourceful, wealthy, like, legacy, wealthy family that's been doing this. They have an actual like medical grade facility to do these transplant operations and where in this one it's like it's yeah it's like are you really like this looks like where people die in saw that's like where you're doing this operation in and Mm -hmm. you really think this is going to work in these but i mean i guess that can just be chalked up to well they're meth heads what do you expect
2: yeah yeah they're not thinking about cleanliness and disease and bacteria fucking up the procedure not at all all they know is that they got this probably you know um banished doctor who's you know probably been shamed and had his license canceled but they're probably they're probably paying this guy in meth and uh yeah he's gonna perform this incredibly difficult surgery to the point even where even in the film he talks about how um, because she's a child, we can't put her to sleep. I need to take her heart out while she's still awake. I'm just like, like what? oh my God, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? <laughs>
0: I don't know if that's
2: uh, real or not, but it sounded stupid as hell.
0: It does, because I'm like, wait a minute, kids get surgery all the time, unless there's something different about a heart extraction that I... I mean, I'm not a medical doctor, so I could be wrong, but they put kids under, (laughs) so... Uh, um,
2: Yeah, it's so funny. Like I said, that's some of the unintentional humor in there that... uh, you know, you can, you can roll your eyes at, or you can have fun and be part of the joke and just laugh at them. And I chose the latter.
0: I also want to know if, like, the wife got trained to cook meth by Walter White. Because I'm like, what kind of meth is she cooking that it's that important that she remains the cook? I, I, unless it's just that hard out there to find a meth cooker. But I'm like, damn, um, she and then must be Breaking Bad-level cook.
2: Oh, absolutely. Oh she's some, uh, yeah, definitely some Heisenberg shit right there, but still, I just, like why don't they just show the daughter how to cook meth? I mean, she's young, she's got her whole life ahead of her. She's probably got 70 years of meth cooking in front of her. I don't understand why go to all this trouble.
0: Yeah, take over the family (laughs) business.
2: It's so dumb. Yeah, this is what I mean. mean, Like I said, I'm not going to disagree with anyone who says the story of this movie is stupid as hell, because ultimately it is. But, like I said it's just one of those things that I made the realization early enough in the film that the story was stupid that I could just shut off my brain and just not think about the rest. So, once we got to all the surgery shit at the end and all the all the explanations of everything, I just laughed instead of rolling my eyes. I just laughed and had fun with it but yeah it's va- that's valid it's, it''s a It's a stupid story. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So after so what do we got? So then Stephen Lang, of course, shows up. Norman shows up with his new doggy friend. And of course, they do what they do best. They go around dispatching guys here and there. He gets into a hand-to-hand fight with somebody um with one of the um with the brother of the guy who got the super glue on the face. He did end up dying during the initial home invasion, and then it turned out that this guy who looked like Think of, think of the blonde twins from Die Hard, but if someone deflated them by, like, 50 pounds. That's what this guy looked like. He looked like a deflated German blonde guy. Anyway, uh, he, him and Stephen Lang have an altercation. I do like the way Stephen Lang takes him out, where he's, kinda, he's using the audio of his steps and he throws the hammer like in front of him just enough that it bashes him right in the side of the skull. I thought that was cool. As, as over-the-top and unbelievable as it is, it, it looked cool. <laughs> so I mm. accepted it. <laughs> and then, uh, like I said, we have more uh, interactions. Uh, we, ta- we, we get to the scene that I uh, mentioned earlier with the water, with uh, o- almost like a basement area that looked like it was flooded, so there was a couple of inches of water on the ground, and he of course takes out three guys walking towards them with the you know precision of Rambo, but again, suspension of disbelief, I guess. Um, this is the only time where like it felt like they were utilizing his blind man skills, if you will, because he felt he even felt the ripple in the water because his hand was lying in the water. He felt the ripple, then he heard the footsteps and reacted. That was that was pretty decent, over the top, but kind you know fairly cool. Anything else about the uh, this second action sequence that uh, before we get to the actual end of it that you guys wanted to bring up?
1: It's fun. It's not as good as the other invasion sequences, but I don't mind it. You know, it's just more of him just taking charge and kicking ass, so...
0: hmm
1: Yeah. Taking damage, getting stabbed, blah, blah, blah. Uh, basically... Uh, Making songs, noises. So we're...
0: <laughs> Saying more words than he did the first movie.
2: <laughs> Making friends with dogs. Yeah, you know, the normal thing. <laughs> So at this point, um, you know, uh, the blind man has basically dispatched most of the people, um, most of the villains at the meth house. Uh, There ends up being one of the villains who kind of has a change of heart and decides to tell the blind man that, you know, I I was on board with this plan until they found until I found out what they were going to do with that little girl. And I don't like that. You know, apparently this is a criminal with a heart who, you know, draws a line at killing children. So. He basically lets the uh, lets the blind man go, and then lets him know about a passage that'll lead him back up into the house or into the building where the meth lab is, and where all the uh, where the boss and the wife and the surgeon still are. Um, he gets up there, um, he turns off the power, so it, um, literally, of course, we get the movie cliche where the doctor literally has the bone saw in his hand, he's approaching the little girl, the saw is spinning, literally, when he's an inch away from her flesh, boom, the power goes out. Big surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, the, um, the blind man took out the power, and then he starts going after mom and um, dad and the surgeon. He takes out the surgeon fairly quickly, if I remember correctly. I think the surgeon was just basically just said, fuck it, I'm out of here. Tried to escape yeah. on his own, and Stephen Lang just kind of took him out real quick. Nothing too exciting. Uh, but then um, the main perp, just to make sure that Phoenix doesn't get away, he actually handcuffed her to Josephine, his uh, her mother. So Mother and Daughter are handcuffed together, and Mother is wheelchair-bound. I forgot to mention that. She is um, in a wheelchair, so um, Phoenix ain't going anywhere at this point unless she's going to drag a wheelchair with her as well. And then we get to the pool area, and this is where we have basically our final stand, where um, basically... um, um, Stephen Lang and the main perp, uh, Phoenix's dad, have their little hand-to-hand thing. They're killing each other left and right. Lots of stabbing, lots of blood. We've got some eye pokes. We have we have an, an attempt at a one-liner, a pre-death one-liner, where Stephen Lang tells the perp, you know, now you'll see what I see, and of course pokes his eyes out with his thumbs just kind of smashes his eyes into his head which I always thought was enough to kill a human, but apparently it's not because a couple of minutes later, when, you know everybody thinks we're cool and we're having our tender goodbye moment nope Our blind, our new blind guy wakes up and stabs the old blind guy (laughs) with a machete. Um, And then he's about to or with a with a like a buck knife, not a machete, like a hunting knife. Um, He pulls the knife out. He's about to he's about to slit Stephen Lang's throat. He puts the knife up to his throat and we hear the sound of, uh, you know, Blade going through flesh. Uh, But then the camera angle changes and we see that Phoenix is standing behind her father with a machete and she just stabbed her father right through the abdomen, right through the midsection. Uh, He ends up dying finally at that point. Oh, I forgot to mention um, Phoenix, of course, who was handcuffed to her mother, uh, they get into a little bit of a pushing battle. Um, She ends up falling into the pool, um, the empty pool, mind you. The pool is empty. There's no water in it. Um, The mother and the wheelchair end up falling into the pool. We have that edge of the cliff scene where Phoenix is at the top, still handcuffed to her mom. Her mom is just dangling there. Um, I forget what exactly the mom says, but she says something to Phoenix to kind of set her off. Phoenix goes ahead and grabs the machete and starts hacking at her arm, which at this point I am laughing out loud in the theater and have multiple people staring at me, but whatever. I She is just hacking her arm. Really good effect too. Like It wasn't just one of those single swipes and a clean cut. No. It was a dirty, ugly cut and she's just slashing and stabbing and swiping until um, eventually she ends up falling into the pool with her because she's not able to get the arm completely off but then once they're down in the pool josephine wakes up and the daughter uh phoenix just kind of finishes the job and pulls the arm off the bloody stub leaves her down there to bleed out which of course she does and then after stephen lang and uh the main villain have their little battle um after phoenix stabs her father he falls down into the pool and he's laying right there next to his wife And they are both laying to e- laying next to each other Almost hand in hand In a pool of their own blood Ah And of course at this point We have our inevitable um, Quote unquote death Scene of Stephen Lang Where he is of course um, Dying uh, He's taken so much damage at this point And he's bleeding from multiple places He's coughing up blood Blah 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 he has a tender goodbye with Phoenix. Uh, they have their Darth Vader, Star, uh, Return of the Jedi moment where she says, literally word for word, "I wanted to save you," and the blind man goes, "But you did," and then he dies. Oh, Darth Vader, we miss you. Um, and then after that, we get a little, we get a closing scene where uh, Phoenix goes to a children's shelter, a shelter that she was looking at earlier in the movie. Uh, because there was a lot of kids her own age there, and as we mentioned earlier, the blind man didn't really leave her out of the house, uh, let her go out, didn't let her go to school, so she yearned for interaction with people her own age. Um, they show her going to uh, the front. They ask. Uh, she asks if there's room for one more. They say yes. There's always room. And they ask her her name. And I guess this is the big emotional. Oh, here we go, ripping off Star Wars yet again. But this time they're ripping off the end of Rise of Skywalker, where <laughs> when they ask uh, when they ask her what's her name, she has the option of either using her real name, Terra or Phoenix, the name that I guess uh, Stephen Lang gave her, there's a dramatic pause, of course, a very Shatner-like dramatic pause, and she looks into the camera and says, my name is Phoenix. And Fade the Black, and that is Don't Breathe 2. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A stupid ending for a stupid movie that I thoroughly (laughs) fucking loved.
0: (laughs) At least ensure there will be no Don't Breathe 3.
1: I don't, I don't know. Where's Did you the, watch? Yeah, what's the full credits. The
0: post-credits scene. Did you watch the post-credits? <laughs> oh shit! I usually always stay.
1: <laughs> There's the post-credits, man. Yeah. You Adam, You want to take this one? Uh, it's no big deal. It's it's a quickie. It's literally like five uh, okay. seconds. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's sitting on the pool. He's you, you think he's about to die. What happens? The dog comes up, licks his hand, and it stirs.
2: Yeah, he does a he does a Jason from Final Chapter where his mm. fingers kind of twitch.
0: <laughs> oh, wonderful!
2: Yeah. Oh, oh, we're getting Dope free three, buddy. You can count on it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, probably we probably won't because I don't think this thing's doing that good by um, box office. Here, let me try to find out. But yeah, like I said, for whatever it's worth, this is a stupid movie that just has some great villain on villain action. And for whatever it's worth, it worked for me. I had fun with it. I can shut my brain off and enjoy it. And honestly, that's probably the only way you're going to be able to enjoy it. Because if you're if you're actually trying to get like compelling storyline or you know uh, greatly fleshed out characters, nah, this ain't the movie for you. Go watch Teddy or Saint Maud. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll agree with that. Or <laughs> watch
0: BFW for like a third time because. Oh, God, watch
1: DSW anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which I hope everyone would have seen by now, but hey, you know, whatever. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much Don't Breathe 2 for me as well. Don't Breathe
2: only made uh, $10.6 this weekend. That's not very good.
0: (laughs) Hmm. I wonder what the budget was to make it.
1: Oh, just under... uh, I'd say it's probably around like six to seven.
0: And this was Ghost House Pictures.
1: Um, Sony Pictures,
2: Screen Gems.
0: Screen Gems, okay. Must have I must have been thinking of something I just saw before it. Um, There's so many
2: production companies though. There's like five production companies, uh, twelve distributors. Oh, Ghost House is one of the production companies.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought I saw that little ghost house thing coming.
2: Bad ombre, yeah, bad ombre. Screen, ge- I guess Screen Gems is the first one. At least it's the first one listed. Um, I'm not finding any info on the budget. It looks like so.
1: <laughs> though I
2: can't imagine it costs. Yeah, I probably that ten million. I mean, it's not. That's
1: like, what I'm saying. I probably put it somewhere between like eight to ten.
2: Yeah. I mean, Stephen Lang is going to be the most expensive thing in the movie. I mean. We don't even get like a Jane Levy in this one, you know, like a, another recognizable name. So uh, there's not really a whole lot of effects. I mean, it's just a bunch of you know people getting smashed in the face or whatever. The one jaw of this location was pretty fun. We forgot to mention that. That was the Super Glue guy, right? Yeah, I,
1: actually, I think so. Yeah, that's I think finished off the Super Glue guy. I think guy. so. Yeah, I think that, I think that I think that was him. He basically
2: had a pipe with like a chunk of concrete at the end of it that hadn't broken off it when they took the pipe out of the wall and, uh, yeah, just uh, basically hit him so hard his jaw dislocated off his skull. That was was good. That was probably the most um, intricate effect in the whole movie, honestly. Not really a whole lot of uh, effects in here.
1: Well, arm hack, but...
2: Yeah, 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 the arm hack did look pretty good, that's right. I just sat here and praised it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Alright, Venom. Where can people hear you, and what do you got?
2: Uh, what do we got? Um, not still not a whole lot. We've got uh, the main show. No more room and hell. Episode thirty-five still available. Um, let's see my my guest spot on, uh, or me and Don's guest spot on Cinema Attack uh, for the Bruno Matai movies has been out for a few weeks. Uh, the latest episode of It's Not Horror, okay, where we cover Christopher guests. Best in Show is still our latest episode. We actually are recording an episode tomorrow and this title may not mean a lot to some people, but anybody who's a fan of Riff Tracks knows this movie well. Tomorrow we are doing a commentary for Miami Connection. Uh,
0: Ooh, oh, my that's a wild one. so
2: hard right now you have no idea. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, what's funny god. is that the person who picked the movie never saw it and they think, oh, it's, a, they think oh. it's a hard-boiled oh. action
1: movie. Oh my god, oh my god, I gotta hear this. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be so good. <laughs> uh, let's guess this is Heather's. No, it's it. Oh, Android hasn't seen this? Oh my god, <laughs> I would have seen this by now. Yeah, oh, I would have thought so too. <laughs> yeah, Android hasn't seen this and thinks it's a, it's a hard-boiled action
2: yeah, because he, cause, cause we've done a stretch of comedies on It's Not Horror over the last, like, two months. um, And he was just kind of getting sick of comedies. He's like, I- I'm going to bring an action movie to the table. And when he said Miami Connection, I'm like, what? Wait, ninjas selling cocaine in Miami? All right, I'm
1: in. Oh, my God. Oh, I got to hear this. <laughs> the worst ninjas ever, I might add. Oh, my God. Oh, oh I'm getting... Forever.
2: Yeah, so we're going to be recording that tomorrow. Hopefully that'll be out early next week. Oh,
1: God. Uh, Please, Phil, get this thing out as quickly as you can. i got to hear this.
2: Uh, let's see. I did a guest spot this past week on the return of Kill the Cast. Yes, Jerry Herring is back in the podcasting groove, and we just had a nice, easy episode where we uh, we basically did our individual top five lists of um movies the best horror movies on streaming that you need to watch so you know we tried not to bring in like the obvious stuff the thing the exorcist stuff like that we tried to bring a lot of like hidden horror to the table stuff that maybe not a lot of people are familiar with but that are available on like free streaming sites like YouTube Tubi Pluto TV stuff like that so Uh, I don't think that episode's out yet. We just recorded it a couple of days ago, so look for that on the Legion Podcast Network. Um, And we also, on that show, announced that Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space would be back sooner than later. We are going to try to record an episode in September, and hopefully... You know, fingers crossed, It's we're going on like nine, ten months since we've recorded an episode, so fingers crossed that we're back, finally, to talk about my favorite Godzilla movie, Godzilla vs. Destoroyah. And, of course, continuing our retrospective of the original Ultraman series. And I think that's it. Right? Yeah, that's it for me for now, Mike.
0: All right, Dawn, what do you got?
1: Oh, well, uh, other than the... Um hopefully soon to come underwater kaiju show. Uh, The only thing I have is uh, something you were also involved with. Uh, We did a uh, topical commentary on Friday the 13th, part 3 with uh, we had Nudie, we had Brandon Young and uh, Dan and Lacey because it was for a uh, skip to the loo. So uh, Friday the 13th we all got together, did a uh, hilarious commentary on it. Um, including, uh, what was, uh, uh, unintentionally, it turns out, I gave, uh, four different ratings to the film. Uh, yeah, that, it was a lot of fun, so, uh, check for that on, uh, Skip, on Cut to the Chase. Um, uh, it should be, it's on the, uh, it's on their feed, because it's, uh, Skip to the Blue Show. Yep. But, uh, go ahead and check that out. But, uh, other than that, that's, uh, all I got.
0: Yeah, just um, not. Uh, <laughs> not much for me either. The August has been much more of a podcast prep month than actually recording, just because summer series um, has taken up a lot of time, and now we're kind of in the the final act of that, which is preparing for the roundtable show sometime next month. But there's like a lot of movies to watch for the roundtable. so I'm thinking, you know, in the next couple weeks, it should slow down again to where I'm getting more of, you know, our shows out. You know, Fresh Cuts, fortunately, because of the nature of the show, we've still pretty much been able to put out an episode every week, Uh, so that's good, but, like, the main show is definitely the schedule suffered a little bit. Theme Warriors, it's normal for Theme Warriors to be the odd show out, when things get busy just because it's already only a monthly show to begin with so if you get halfway through the month and we haven't scheduled it yet it makes it kind of tough to like lock us down with not as much time to prep but uh i'm thinking once the summer series is like 100% in the rearview mirror for this year things will pick back up again um it'll free up more time and, uh, yeah, so just fresh cuts for me. And then, like Dawn said, we did the Friday the 13th, three commentary. Probably one of the more fun times I've had doing a commentary period. Um, just, I thought it was really good. Just our conversation went everywhere. It, it, I've always said that it, to do commentaries on podcasts, it really benefits when you're, uh, picking a movie that you've seen enough times where, you can almost not even have to look at the TV and you know exactly what's going on just based on hearing it or or whatnot because it it helps with the flow of the conversation. So, sometimes you get caught up with commentaries where you just start watching a movie because you've either never seen it, only seen mm-hmm. it once, and you're really trying to like see what the hell's happening because you can't remember. But you know, a Friday the 13th movie most of us have seen them so many times that like you like i said you you already know everything that's going to happen so you can have constant conversation without losing focus um whether it's conversation about the movie or not it still works but (laughs) anyways (laughs) yeah um as far as our next episode what is it the night house that comes out this week i believe yes sir I think there's actually another one too but it's like a more limited release is a Demonic that's like very no, very that's limited in the uh, Demonic oh, okay. is later in the month yeah, uh, yeah okay. I'll be
2: seeing that out here in LA definitely
0: alright yeah okay so yeah that's gonna do it Nighthouse should be next week or next episode mm-hmm. uh, with that we're gonna get the hell out of here so thanks everyone for listening Dawn Venom say bye to the listeners adios Later. Don't cook meth.